Well, most of you are aware that we're going through a, a series on Peter, 1 Peter. And uh, as Alvin talked about it, Peter is one of those 12 apostles that hung out with Jesus all the time. But Peter, he spoke when he probably shouldn't have at times. He slept when he should have been awake. Sound like a teenager? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he also was a man that he, he acted a little harshly at times. Remember, he cut off an ear of a fellow as well. Uh, you know, he was a reactionary kind of person. And sometimes I relate really well to Peter because sometimes I'm that. I, sometimes I have words that come out that I'm like, mm, can I have those back? Can I, can I just, just take that phrase back? I didn't really mean it that way. Uh, those kind of things, that's kind of what it's like. But Peter was also a person of faith. He was the kind of guy that um, <clears throat> when the storm was going and all the other disciples were freaking out in the boat and they were thinking they're going to drown, Peter's like, hey, that, that, I don't think that's a ghost. I, th I think that's Jesus out there. And he says, if that's you, Jesus, tell me to come. Would you do that? Would I say that? Would I say, hey, uh, it looks a little risky out there, but if that's really you, invite me to come? But Jesus says, yeah, yeah, it's me. Come out here and join me. It's a little stormy. It's no big deal. So what happens? Peter steps out of the boat, walks on water for a little while. Then he kind of takes his eyes off of Jesus. What happens? He sinks, starts to sink. Jesus reaches down, pull him out, get back in the boat. <laughs> Peter was that kind of guy. He just stepped out in faith and just said, yes, yes, Jesus, if it's really you, Tell me to come, and he went. Now the other, you know, we kind of get tough on Peter sometimes, but the other 11 stayed in the boat. <laughs> they didn't move. They were probably clinging to the seats saying, you know, like, like I do when I'm in a boat, and it's kind of like rough and rocky because I get motion sickness really easy, and so I feed the fish and those kinds of things, and I'm like, uh, that's not cool. I don't know how to swim, but I did learn how to water ski. I got up the very first time I went water skiing out of fear. <laughs> I was hanging on no matter what. <laughs> Those things happen in life sometimes, and, and Peter is that kind of guy. Well, when I looked at this passage that Alvin assigned me, he said, Al, I want you to do chapter two of Peter, First Peter, and I'm going like, sure, okay, um, we'll try that. Uh, but I read the first three verses, and I thought, hmm, we'll stop right there. Let me read them for you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 1. <clears throat> or if you have a reading apparatus of some sort with a Bible on it, you might want to follow along. If you're new and you don't know where to find Peter, he's towards the end of the New Testament. But if you turn at the front of your Bible, there's actually a table of contents. Most people didn't. I never knew that. When I became a believer, I was like, where do you find these books? They're, they're not alphabetical. But if you turn there, it'll tell you what page and uh, where to turn in your Bibles. Let me start with those ones. Uh, it says, verse 1, <clears throat> So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for the nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. I read that and said, 
if we can leave here and just do that this week, we'd be really good. So we're just going to close our Bibles and go home now. The shortest sermon you've ever heard in Mount Olive. I'm not going to let you off the hook that easy. But what he does tell us in this, this series um, of, of Scripture, it really kind of digs into the heart of what it means to walk with God. And some of your translation says, therefore, and you look back, because of what has been done in your life before. So we'll just jump back a few verses to verse 24, and the scriptures say, people are like grass, their beauty is like a flower in the field, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is good news that was preached to you. Now let's read the rest of the passage as well, starting in verse four. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusted him will never be discarded, disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor and honor God, but those of you who reject him, the stone that was the builders rejected is now the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet their fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. You are chosen people. You are royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. In this passage, he's trying so hard to, to encourage them to live out their faith in such a way that it's an example. So when he starts out, he says, therefore, because of what God has done in your life, he says, I want you to get rid of some things in your life, to part with them. The first thing he says to get rid of is deceit. Now deceit, the word in Greek actually means to bait a hook. Kind of weird, eh? But in baiting a hook, Peter was a fisherman. He would get what it meant to bait a hook. So how many fishermen are in the audience? Just about like the first service, none. One back there. You guys need to take a fishing. I don't fish either, so. <laughs> but Peter was a fisherman, so he knew what it meant. So he said, this is deceptive. What you're doing with that hook, you, and I thought maybe I should give you each a hook this morning when you came in, but I didn't know if that would be really wise. They might be left in the seat and someone would sit on them. That would be painful. But 
What he's doing is saying, you put a worm on a hook, and what, you cast it into the, into the pond, and you hope that a fish bites on it, right? So you're putting a worm on the hook to what? Make it look like a really good meal for that fish. And so you throw it in there, and he bites on it. That's deceptive. That's lying to that poor fish. Well, I'm okay if you lie to a fish, but I'm not okay if you lie to each other. And that's what deceit comes down to sometimes. It's, it's allowing ourselves to kind of look at what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And deceit is one of those things that kind of gets in the way of things in life. The second thing he says then is get rid of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. That's a tough one. The Greeks in his time would have worn masks, really elaborate masks. I thought about even wearing one here, but it might be a little scary. But not, probably less scary than my face. But if you have a mask on, you're deceiving people so they can't really see who you are. And hypocrisy is that kind of thing where you put a mask on oftentimes. And what kind of mask is it? It might be a mask that you wear when you come into church. Because you come in and you just had a horrible fight with your family on the way here. I know it never happens to any of you. Um, but you, you're all in a tither and you come into church and it's like, hi, I'm doing good. We're good. We're a great family. We, we all love each other so much. We never argue. Those kinds of things. Or you have one that you maybe wear at work. Where you're at work and you kind of think like, oh yeah, it's good. I hate my boss. But it's good. I hate the guy I work with, or the gal I work with, but it's good. And we kind of go through that sometimes by putting on a different mask. Sometimes you might have a mask that's like this little boy who, who didn't uh, really like his teacher, and his teacher didn't really like him. He didn't like to sit still. He liked to get up and act out. He would run around, uh, cause trouble, and so the teacher said, you, sit down here and don't move. I'm picking on you this morning. <laughs> and he said, yes, teacher, I'll sit here. But I want you to know one thing. I might be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> and that's so true sometimes, because we, we have these different little things that we, we do sometimes that are a bit more hypocritical. And there's nothing more and it's harder to live out your faith in such a way that you're very consistent. And so I think it's hard to live this piece out, but there's nothing that drives people away from God more than hypocritical people. And we've all heard that phrase somewhere along the line. Oh, well, there's the hypocrites go to church, or you're a hypocrite, or you're, you're just not living out your faith. And sometimes we're just not meeting their expectation of faith. And sometimes they have a false expectation of faith as well in thinking that we're gonna be perfect. And quite frankly, we're not. Um, I'm not anyway, maybe you are. But that whole idea that you know, we can't live perfect, but we can live with Jesus in our heart. And we can live with Jesus in our life. And that is the part of that that I think is so essential for all of us to realize we're human. And, and that's the way God made us. But it drives some people away. So we need to be conscious of that. Trying to live out the exemplary life that others might see. The third thing he says to get rid of, he says, first you're gonna get rid of deceit, then hypocrisy, then jealousy. Hmm. Jealousy might be even a little closer. It kind of creeps in. It's like envy 
We want what the other person has. And that's sometimes what sneaks in. Sometimes we say, well, it's not fair. You have such great friends and I have none. You have such a great husband and I have a rotten one. You have such a great wife and I have, uh, well, we'll leave that one out. Um, But those kind of things. There's just, you want what the other person has in life when when you're jealous. And so you're just wanting to have whatever they have. And it might be their car, it might be their truck, it might be their house. It could be many things. I know one, if I built a new house, that, that will answer our questions. That'll make us fall in love even more. It didn't happen. A house isn't going to bring you happiness. And so when you think about jealousy, what are the kind of things that creep into your life? One of my past students came to me at one point and said, I need to apologize to you. I said, for what class? No, <laughs> he said, I need to apologize to you. I said, why? And he said, they said, well, Al, we, we used to walk past your house and we would curse you. And I was like, really? Out loud? <laughs> I didn't hear you. <laughs> but this, because you had a nice lawn, you had a nice house, you had a great wife, you had all these things, and, and I want that. And I was like, hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I'm glad you apologized. I'm not much I can do for that. But the ideal is sometimes we want what other people have. Sometimes we even take it on God and say, God, you're just not fair. Why why do I get the short end of the stick? Why Why is everything so bad in my life when it's so perfect in someone else's life? And that's that's that piece of jealousy that can creep in so often on us. You know, when it comes down to it, a lot of times... Um, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy. And then he says these words about unkind. He says, be done with these things and all unkind speech. Unkind speech. Hmm, that could take in a whole lot of things, isn't it, in life? When you think of unkind speech, some of the stuff that comes out of our mouths, sometimes it's the jokes that we tell at work. Sometimes it's just about um, <clears throat> putting somebody else down. If, if I had a bunch of junior high students around, I would say, practice your put-downs because they're really good at that. It just comes in error to them. Really easy sometimes, right? <laughs> Especially when you're with your brothers. <laughs> but we put people down to try to make us feel better. And so he says, get away, get rid of that speech. And speech is the things, again, like I said, the the words that come out of your mouth and you're like, can I have those back? Uh, That's the stuff that he's talking about here. He says, get rid of unkind speech. In other words, kind of look for the good stuff. In Peter, it talks about looking for the good, clear, pure stuff. But it's, it's keeping ourselves in check and in balance on those kinds of things. When I first became a believer, I had to deal with that because I had a construction tongue. Anybody in construction would know what that means. But we used the Lord's name in vain quite often. And, we, and I didn't even realize how much I cussed out at people. And they're like, Al, do you know how often you say that word or this word or that word? I'm like, ooh, yeah, now I'm a believer. What am I gonna do with that? I was like, swallow those words. I had to replace them for a while with other words that didn't seem quite so bad until I could slowly adjust my mind to not doing those kind of things, not saying those kind of things that just kind of come out of your mouth sometimes. So I think 
That is the piece when he says, get rid of those, that unkind speech. How do we do that in life? The good news is found in uh, that verse that I read a little bit earlier because it says this in verse nine. You are not like that. In other words, you're not like the old person. You're not to be like that before you accepted Christ. He said, you're not like that for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result of that, you can show others the goodness of God and, uh, that he has called you out of. And so I think when you look at that, it's like God is with us. You are chosen. You are a piece of that. And I think it's so important for us to understand that he is there with us walking through this journey, helping us to do these things. But again, in, Peter was kind of telling them, get rid of these four things. Cast them off and then remember the joy of your salvation. That pure spiritual milk, he says, go back and remember those things. Remember some of the good things that God has done in your life. Remember the day you gave your heart to Jesus Christ. Some of you are still kind of sorting that out and that's okay. Um, but some of us are here, we still should remember those days and stop and think, wow, what, what was it? Was it at a youth retreat that I was at? Was it in a church service that I was at? Where was it? What did I do? You know, where did that come from? For me, I can still remember, it's over 50 years ago when I was in this old auditorium and, and there was a big kind of gathering concert and there was a speaker that was there and it was just a, some whole new experience in my life. And uh, that auditorium is now a museum, so that tells you how long ago and how old I was. But it was so cool because I remember that going back that second night, hearing the salvation story and walking forward and saying, this is my night. For some of you, it might be your baptism that you actually kind of remember. And we had like 14 people be baptized here just a little while ago and, and coming up out of the water and, and saying, I I'm making a public profession of my faith, my belief in Jesus Christ to all of you. Maybe it was the first time you had an answer to prayer where you actually saw God physically answer your prayer. And I challenge people all the time, especially in college and young people, to pray prayers that only God can answer because then you know that he's real. So take a prayer and say, God, I really want you to reveal myself through this prayer. But maybe that's the point you remember in your, when, when you're thinking about taking spiritual milk and reading God's word in and soaking it into your lives. Because a baby needs that to survive. We need God's word to survive. So that is a piece of the puzzle as well. So I think as you think about those things, think about all the good things that God has done in and through your life and the way he's led and guided and been a part of it. For some, that's a painful journey. For others, it's a celebration journey. But stop and think about it. As you try to do these, these four simple things, <laughs> four little words that aren't all that easy because he said, again, get rid, of, get rid of it. Get rid of deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. And then soak in God's goodness. So as you remember those things in your walk, in your journey with God, I ask that that would be our challenge this week. Lord, we thank you so much for being a God who loves us and cares for us, who wants to be a part of our lives. Help us to control those things that we often fall into. When we think of the things you said, get rid of. Help us to get rid of those things and be able to live our lives as an example so that we might be an example to those that work with us, to those neighbors that are around us, 
uh, all those people that we rub shoulders with, they would see a shining example of you through us. So we thank you again for your love and your care and the way you provide for us. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.